Hi, friend, and welcome to the Brand Strategy Podcast, a show created to equip you with the inspiration, encouragement, and clarity you need to build the brand of your dreams. I'm your host, Bonnie Bakhtiari, brand designer, strategist, and founder of The Illum Retreat. From sustainable strategy to heartfelt encouragement, each episode is designed to equip you with the tools you need to chase after your dreams. Because you deserve a brand that empowers you to do what you love, connects with your dream clients, and offers a deep sense of fulfillment along the way. So grab a cup of coffee and join me on this journey, won't you? to the Brand Strategy Podcast, where today we are diving into a fantastic conversation around SEO mistakes that you're making on your sales page. This is a fantastic discussion that I'm so excited to share with you because I understand that as online entrepreneurs, SEO and how we're optimizing our websites and especially our sales pages in order to get in front of our ideal clients or customers can be a challenge. And especially if you, like me, do not come from an SEO background there are a lot of questions. And so today I'm so, so looking forward to chatting about this topic more with a SEO expert who is here to talk us through the mistakes we're making so that we can explore a clear path forward towards growth. So friends, today I am joined by Pri Kruyen, and she's really, truly an award-winning SEO expert who's on a mission to help entrepreneurs efficiently market their businesses online. And Pri, I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, I would love it if you're up for it uh, to hear a little bit more about you and the incredible work that you do as an SEO expert. Yeah, sure. So I have been an SEO for a really long time. <laughs> it's one of those things that I just kind of fell into. I didn't actually know anything about it as a job, but I was running my own small business and I just had no marketing budget whatsoever. And we're talking back in probably 2009, 2010. So social media isn't that big. And eventually Mm -hmm. after just hitting a point where I was like, if I don't make any money, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. I was introduced to SEO and just kind of fell in love with it. Got my website onto the page one of Google within three months. It stayed there until I sold the business. And I tried so many different things, but I just kept coming back to SEO. And so I've been a full-time SEO for the last, I want to say six years, working more corporate side as well as side hustling because, hey, Aries rising here, I'm like, go home or go hard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then at the end of last year, I decided to leave my corporate role and go full-time in my business. I work with scaling entrepreneurs who are pretty much on that same level as me we're trying to do different things we're trying to scale our offers build a team all while having a life and perhaps not hitting that next level in our business Mm -hmm. like we know the business is out there we know the sales are out there but something quite isn't ticking and so I support them through SEO and automated dashboards to make decisions driven by data so it's just so much more simpler I love that you say that you help them make decisions that are driven by the data because I think that there's nothing better than having the confidence of knowing your numbers knowing the details knowing what that data looks like and then being able to move forward and make a decision that's backed by that information and so I love that you build that in as part of your process yeah for sure and I think you know I know as as a female entrepreneur, like 
I get so stuck when it comes to making decisions because not only am I thinking about, okay, how is this going to impact my team or me or, you know, like my profit? I'm also in the back of my head thinking, how is this going to impact my family? Like if I make Mm -hmm. this move, how is it going to impact all the different changes that I want to make? I'm constantly thinking three steps ahead, but sometimes you need to just focus on the numbers and play around with the numbers and see if they work and you know that that sometimes you have this gut feeling and you just need to verify whether that's right and really just take that decision away from your heart and just think with your head Mm, absolutely and I feel like the data allows you to make just very analytical decisions and not to say that your emotions and your heart don't play a big role in that but especially if I'm I'm thinking of myself here I can often overthink things and I can often get a little bit too caught up in the emotion of the decision and kind of like you were saying sort of like the implications of of you know what that decision looks like in reality and so turning to the data can just be so enlightening and so freeing Yeah, it just takes a lot of the second guessing out, I think, when it comes to things like imposter syndrome, or even, you know, am I making the right decision? Is this what we should be doing? Should we do this other project? It really gets rid of the the shiny object syndrome, because it's there Mm -hmm. in black and white, and you can't argue with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on top of the, you know, obviously the incredible value for data and helping you to really helping your clients actually feel empowered through the numbers and what that looks like. I know that you work with course creators and you really help them to also create consistent sales through searchable content and through their SEO. So what does that process look like for you when you're working with a client and you're helping them generate that kind of consistent income and to generate those consistent sales? How does searchable content and SEO play a role in that? Yeah, so for anyone that's not familiar with searchable content, it's content that you create that can be searchable through keywords, essentially. So right now we're looking at, you know, the likes of a blog post in Google, a podcast, a YouTube video, and to some extent also Instagram posts, because you can now have keywords on Instagram. And I imagine over the next couple of years, that's going to become quite big. But the kind of way that we look at launching in total is is two complete different mindsets. So when it comes to live launching, it's very much the power of now. What can you do right now to build up the hype, to get people in your audience? It's a very short-term burst of energy and time to really get people that are in that moment of buying. Whereas for Evergreen, you're really looking at people that are perhaps searching on a much longer basis or they're searching outside of when you're launching. So searchable content is around for ages. You could create a blog post now and it could continue to drive content for the next you know, six, seven years. I've had clients that effectively have stopped creating new content. They just have you know 20 30 really high valuable content whether that's a blog post or whether that's a pod it's a bit different for podcasts I get but definitely for blog posts they'll create what we call um, a kind of pillar content like content that is really strong that connects to their services and then every year they will just go and refresh it with more data or you know more case studies more insights and that is what drives it to them so 
when it comes to kind of more evergreen sales, you know, yes, you can drive uh, traffic to it through paid ads, but where it becomes really powerful is if you can use SEO and searchable content to create content that people are searching for at different parts of the journey. So whether they're looking for more awareness con uh, content, whether it's, you know, they're higher up the funnel, they're perhaps, they know they have a problem, but they're not sure what that problem is, or they're further down when they know what their problem is, they're just looking for a solution. And being able to kind of warm them up that way really shows you as an authority and can get them that one step closer. So searchable content is great if you've got really strong, really powerful testimonials, if you've got, you know, really high quality opt-ins, and you can always add that into your blog post. And, you know, again, I most people do it, but, you know, on the back end of a thank you page or a tripwire, you can offer them part module of your evergreen course or you know whatever it is that you're offering it's a really easy simple way of doing it that you can set it up and it will just run behind the scenes without you having to put too much effort into it and that's just the dream isn't it being able to have that content that like you said with searchable content and kind of describing how some of your clients they are only updating those pieces once a year and adding to them, that's kind of a dream of being able to have content that's doing that heavy lifting for you consistently and it's driving in qualified leads or qualified sales. And it's not something that requires you to, you know, blog twice a week or create sure. tons of content, right? Because it sounds like to me what you're saying is the quality of that content is so much more important than the quantity, correct? Yeah. And a lot of people, I think one of the most common questions I get asked is you know how many times should I be blocking and we've gone past that point of quantity it's really just about the quality and the point is you you know you don't want to just create content for the sake of creating content you need to create content that is going to convert and mm. it's really where people miss the point of SEO SEO isn't just about driving traffic to your website you know, I can pretty much get anyone into page one in about three hours. But whether mm -hmm. that traffic would actually convert is a different thing. That's, you know, that's the beauty of working with a really good SEO is not only will they get traffic to your website, but they'll make sure that traffic converts. And that's where the searchable content strategy comes in. And as you continue to grow it, you become less reliant on live launching, which let's face it, Live launches are a lot of fun, but they are exhausting. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I did my first live launch. I think I needed like six months out just to recover. <laughs> I don't blame you. Live launching, it can, there, it's especially if like you're the kind of person where you enjoy that energy and you enjoy showing up and you really like love that. It can be so much fun. But it does require so much energy and it requires a lot of planning. And then if you're like me, yeah. you also require some time on the back end of your launch to recover from that launch. Yeah, so for sure. I totally understand. Yeah, it's it's a great process, but um, you know, I see a lot of I, I see a lot of people constantly live launching and I know that they have a you know, a really good team behind them supporting them, but I'm also like your life would be so much more easier if you had some more searchable content and evergreen mm. sales in the background. 
That makes sense. Well, when it comes to sales pages, I know we've been talking about searchable content and the SEO and uh, of that kind of side of things. But uh, when we look at sales pages specifically, are there common mistakes or missteps that you see course creators or service providers making on their sales pages that from your perspective as an expert could be such an easy fix? Yeah, there's kind of two main, I'd say, like topic bubbles. So one is the SEO side of things, which is, you know, really using the different features that are available for your website page, for your sales page. So using things like Schema, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Schema, it's a write-up language that you can use to get featured in in certain features in Google. So most of them you have to be on page one already, but you can add your FAQs onto the first page. You can add any reviews that you've got on there. There's really a lot of power in using schema markup because once you are on page one, you are fighting for real estate. And so the more functionality that you have available and the more space that you take, the less likely you are to see other competitors. So an example of this is FAQ Markup. It came out probably about two years ago now. Um, and you know I tested it on so many different pages. And at one point, rather than having 10 listings on page one, there were only seven. And so it really reduces the chance of someone else going to one of your competitors if there's less of you on page one and it's just kind of things like that that if once you know how to use it you can really use the power of seo i'd also say do things like keyword research um you know having really strong knowledge of what people are searching for for your service or your product can not only you know help you understand where they are in the journey but can make sure that you rank for those pages as well I don't see a lot of people using this is one of the things that can really elevate your your sales page. I think more than likely the reason why a lot of people don't do it is live launch pages aren't always live. So, you know, you'll create a page, you'll push it live. And then when you go ahead and you end your promo because you've enrolled people to your course or you've enrolled people into your program, people tend to remove the page. And really, we shouldn't be removing any pages. We should keep these pages alive, keep the content on there and perhaps just add like a waitlist option. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is pages need to be live for them to appear in Google. Once you remove a page, Google will automatically think this page is no longer available and will just remove it from their directory. So no one's going to be able to find that again. So just simple tweaks that you can use can be really powerful to just kind of build awareness and get you out there. I'd say the second part Mm -hmm. is, is CRO or conversion rate optimization. And again, another really powerful thing that you can do when you have the right data in place. So one of the first things I recommend is optimize your page speed. Um, Bonnie, I'm sure you'll agree as well. Page speed is 
just one of the things that could make or break your website because if your website is super slow they're going somewhere else right right and you know just having that can be can be really powerful and I'd say probably after that it's it's really just focusing on the the funnel side of your sales page you know there is so much data that you can collect in in a tool like Google Analytics or using a tool like Google Tag Manager. Um, you know, you can get it down to the point of if you have a video, how many people are watching the video at what stage? And so if you have, um, you know, a demo video or a testimonial video or a sales page video, once you have that level of insight where you can see hey, everyone is switching off our video after like 45 seconds. Mm -hmm. That can be really powerful because you can go in and start testing, you know, different formats, different copy, you know, different graphics within your sales video and see how that impacts conversion. I love that tools like Google Analytics and the Tag Manager allow us to have that detail level of insight into how different pages on our websites are performing, what people are engaging with. And then, like you said, it just gives us so much control over the the kind of data that we're able to collect and then the, the kinds of decisions we're able to do based on that data. So I so, so appreciate that you shared those two really powerful tools for people to dive into. And that kind of got me thinking. I, I think that from what I hear from my own clients and even from industry friends, for those who aren't familiar with, say, Google Analytics, or for those who don't really know very much about SEO, I think it's easy for us to kind of stay stuck in in a, a kind of a space of limited information because we keep telling ourselves like, oh, that's a very complex topic. I don't really want to get into it, or I don't know where to start. From your standpoint, as someone who has been a part of this community and who has been a part of this incredible industry for so many years now, where would you recommend entrepreneurs kind of start to take those first steps sort of to, you know, dip their toes into the world of SEO if they are just getting started and don't quite know where to begin? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm actually a creative at heart, so I have a really, you know, I've done web design, I've done copywriting. I used to design wedding stationery, so I've been there. <laughs> I've had to teach myself to become analytical, and I completely understand where it feels like there is so much information, but how do you actually get started? And I think before anything, you need to really focus on who your idol client is, and you need to nail, you know, go beyond just, you know, how much money do they make, where they, do they live, what house do they you know have it's all really just about their pain points because as business owners we are solving a problem and the more niche you get into that the more relatable your content will be the more kind of the more you'll appear as an authority and so once you nail your audience you need to figure out what that journey is so what's the journey from being completely unaware where they don't know they have this problem, they don't know anything about you, all the way to most aware where they are ready to, you know, they are hot and they want to buy your product or they want to work with you. And at each stage, think about, you know, what are they doing? What's happening in their personal life? Where are they in their business? What 
you know, what problems do they have or what questions are they asking? And that's where you can start adding, you know, keywords into it. You can figure out what platforms they're on. So, you know, if they are, they prefer audio, go check out something like Clubhouse or, you know, check podcasts. You can look for keywords that way. If you are know, if you know that they're more focused on video, go have a look at YouTube. You know, if they prefer written content, you've got Google or Pinterest, just go to where they are and start using what they would be typing. And that's how it can really start to get the juices flowing and just makes things so much more easier. There is so much to do in SEO. It's constant and nonstop. And, you know, even, you know, I think I'm like 10 years into SEO, I'm I'm constantly learning. So you're never going to become a true expert because there's always room for growth, but you need to really just decide where you are and what your happy zone is. At the end of the day, you know, whether you're a creative or an operations person, you have your zone of genius. And so you don't need to know everything. You just need to know enough to support any questions your team might have or even a supplier that you end up going with. Absolutely. And you know, the the beautiful thing about starting to build that level of awareness around SEO and starting to learn more and, and really kind of growing in that way is when you reach the point in your business where you are ready to outsource that to someone just like you, Pri, like I think that that helps that helps us understand more of what these experts and these service providers are doing for us. If we just have like a very even a very basic level of understanding around SEO, I'm sure that that probably makes things easier for you when you're working with your clients and you're not having to educate them on all these terms if they already come to you and they are aware of, you know, what some of these terms are, right? Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do is is, you know, go ahead and work with someone like me and not understand who your ideal client is hmm. or what problems you're solving. But it's the same with you, Bonnie. If someone came up to you and they were like, hey, you know, this is what I want and I want you to design it. Well, okay, but who are we talking to? Mm-hmm. And effectively, you know, if you don't know that, then there's a lot of pre-work that needs to be done ahead of time. Absolutely. And I really, really appreciate your advice of of taking the time, getting to know your ideal client. I think that it might be easy to think that when it comes to SEO, we wouldn't be spending so much time on that, but you're so right. Like knowing who your ideal client really is and then deeply understanding who those people are and how they are looking for a entrepreneur or a service provider or a course or a product like you or like you offer, it just changes everything and it gives so much more purpose to the work that you're doing and it helps you create an SEO strategy that is going to connect you with the kinds of people that you want to be working with. But that can't happen, just like you were saying, Free, that can't happen if people don't know who their ideal clients are. Yeah, and I always use this example to explain why keyword research is so important. And I'll actually give you two examples. So I worked with a wedding planner who was really adamant to use the word luxury wedding planning. And I think for her, it was the word of luxury. And she really felt like, 
you know, maybe it was it was something within her own business that she felt if she used that word, she would get the caliber of clients that she wanted, or, you know, she could perhaps charge a higher price point. And, you know, it was, it was a bit tough to try and explain to her the way that you see that word isn't the way that people search in Google. And so, as business owners, as industry experts, we use terminology that we think conveys our message, whereas the way people search for aren't necessarily searching it that way. So for this client, she felt like using the the term luxury wedding planner meant that she would be getting, you know, very well established, you know, higher paying clients where the truth was these type of clients, they're not searching for the word luxury because mm-hmm. they don't see it that way. And, you know, another example that I have is is the word pizza. If you go search the word pizza, there are going to be so many different things showing up. You know, you're going to see images of pizzas that you can buy from your local supermarket. More than likely, there will be a map of uh, the local pizza restaurants or takeaway places. There mm-hmm. will be recipes for pizza. And again, you can see the one word has so many different meanings. And so when it comes to our businesses, we need to start with lists of, you know, what do you do? So, you know, your location or the type of work you do, your job title, the services, those are great starting points. But you need to go into Google and you need to search for them because that's when you find out what the search intent is. You know, when someone is searching for that, what is the intent behind it? Are they looking for information? Are they looking for a brand website? Are they looking for directions? Are they looking to purchase? And, you know, you need all four of those. You need to have keywords and content for all of it. But if you're really looking to make sales, you need to focus on the commercial keywords. If you keep creating content around how-to or informational you're going to mostly capture people that just want the information but aren't going to be buying from you. Mm, that is such a good point. And I really appreciate you making that distinction of, of you know, really putting ourselves in the shoes of our ideal clients and understanding the way that they are making these searches, not not so much getting caught up in the, you know, the keywords or even kind of the jargon that we think uh, they'd be looking for or the way that we want to be perceived, right? Because it's truly about the way that your ideal clients or your ideal customers are thinking about searching for an entrepreneur or a business or a brand like you. For sure. Well, I know that for those who are tuning in today, you've shared so much practical advice and so many great things for them to be thinking about as they are starting to just build more and more awareness around SEO and how they can use it to grow their businesses. But what kind of encouragement would you share to those who are tuning in today who are ready to get started with SEO? Are they're ready to take action based on everything you've been sharing today and they're ready to start to leverage that to, to grow their reach and connect with their ideal clients? Yeah, I would say start small, you know, especially if you are at that point where perhaps, you know, you haven't done any SEO, um, go back to your idle client, like I said, and start that way, start having a look at the basic side of things, you know, really figure out what their pain points are, their keywords, what type of content you can start creating for it. And again, it doesn't have to be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of blogs or videos, you could just come up with 15 to 20 that you know is going to drive traffic and convert for you 
And if you're further down the line, um, you know, if you are in that scaling phase, it's time for you to start getting data involved because it's going to really take you to that next level. And this is, you know, you can go really nitty gritty to the point where you can figure out which platforms are driving the most traffic for you and which convert more. Um, you can start A-B testing sales pages if you really want. So you can you can test copy, you can test color. There are so many different things that you can do. So when it comes to planning your next quarter or, you know, even the next year, we're, you know, we're going to start thinking about 2022. And so mm-hmm. having these systems in place where you can capture all this data is just going to make it's so much more easier to make those decisions later down the line. That makes so much sense. And that's a really great encouragement to start small, to set realistic goals for ourselves that are going to set us up for long-term success and growth based on you know what we're learning and the actions we're taking. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I would love to know where people can find you online. Is there a a place where people can go in order to connect with you, you know, learn more about the work that you're doing and uh, follow along with your journey? Yeah, so you can mostly find me on Instagram and you can find me at Brilliantly Visible. You can also find me on my website, which is brilliantlyvisible.com as well. Amazing. And friends, for those who are tuning in, as always, I'm going to have all of these links in uh, today's show notes. So if you just go to brandstrategypodcast.com and click on the latest episode link, you're going to be able to see not only a full recap of our greatest talking points and uh, really everything amazing that Pri had to share today, but also those links so that you can connect with her and learn more about the amazing work that she's doing as well. So Pri, thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your expertise with us and really breaking down this idea of SEO in a way where we are able to understand how we can leverage it, how it can hopefully be something that we're not so intimidated by, and we can start to use it to connect with our ideal clients and customers more. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been great. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. And as always, if this was an episode where you learned something or if something that Pre shared with you really resonated with you, please be sure to share this with us. Be sure to reach out to me. You can always find me on Instagram at Bonnie Joy Marie or reach out to Pre as well. I know she would love to connect with you and hear what uh, resonated with you or any questions you have based on this conversation. And as always, your support of the Brand Strategy Podcast means so much to us and your positive reviews enable us to get this content out in front of more like-minded entrepreneurs just like you and me. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in and I'm cheering you on from Waco. Thank you so much for joining me today, friend. Before you go, I would be so grateful to receive your feedback on the Brand Strategy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or the podcast in general has helped you grow your brand, I'd really appreciate it if you left us a review in iTunes. Your positive reviews enable the Brand Strategy Podcast to continue to grow and reach like-minded creatives just like you. Plus, I'll be randomly selecting a handful of lucky reviewers each month to receive a little thank you surprise for me in the mail. Thank you for all your support and encouragement as together we pursue building brands with purpose and intention. Until next time, I'm cheering you on from Waco.